All right, it's 12.35. Okay, so, uh, hey everybody, welcome, thanks for coming out. Uh, good to see a few familiar faces. We're recording this so that uh, people who can't make it can um, can listen up later uh, and definitely like keep uh, keep the ideas coming in the special curation channel for the collaboration. Um, but yeah, uh, we're here to talk with Ryan and Alice and um, this is actually, I was telling them earlier, I mean, of course, we're doing this for the collaboration, but hopefully is the beginning of many, many more talks with um, with artists and curators, uh, get their perspectives on Bado and, and give some more food for thought for our curation discussions. Um, the uh, For those who don't know, um, Ryan and Alice collaborate under Ryan Koopman's name, um, and I'm going to let them talk about their work, but just kind of background on why we're talking today, which is uh, we have the first major collaboration for Botto with another artist. Um, <clears throat> we're currently in the voting pool right now, which has the top, uh, let's make sure I get this right. It's the top 250 fragments from uh, the Genesis period by voting points. And then the top 750, uh, these are the discards. So the top 250 discards from Genesis and the top 750 discards um, post-Genesis. So including fragmentation, including the three steps ahead, including um, the discards so far in Paradox, um, which has just been like very cool to see a voting pool of just the top pieces that have not quite made it. I think there's a lot, there's a whole discussion debate just to have there on like, um, which ones should be, would, would be worthy for, for their own one of one mints. Um, there's, you know, certainly a discussion to be had about whether, um, the mints are more consensus or show the most conviction Would other pieces in the pool we're looking at, uh, give us some hints of what more conviction might've given us. But in any case, I think we can all agree. They're very recognizable from, from all the previous rounds. Um, and it's just been, it's been a very cool pool to sit in and, and look at. Um, this history of Botto, and especially in terms of like filtering for those top 1,000. Um, so yeah, so that's running until next Friday. Uh, the top 10 will be delivered to uh, Ryan and Alice, who will then integrate it, integrate them into um, one of their famous rooms. In this case, a room with seven frames. And so um, they're going to have total creative liberty to integrate them into um, into the rooms. And again, we'll talk more about how that process is shaping up for them. But just in general, it's been very cool to see everybody jumping in, um, sharing their favorites, um, and just seeing a real back and forth already happening. It wasn't, when we set this up, we weren't sure if it was just going to be kind of more of a quiet, like, okay, the Dow selects 10, hands them over, and then Ryan and Alice run with it. Or <clears throat> uh, what we're seeing now is more of just a, a real back and forth between the Dow and Ryan and Alice. So really cool to see that um yeah uh so that ends just so i have that date it's going to be ending next friday uh i'll i don't remember what the precise time is it's in the announcements um but ends next friday uh so we got another week left of that um and uh the drop is going to be on uh may 25th uh on super rare and it's going to be a curated drop with them um so yeah, so it's going to be right in between the end of the third and the fourth period. So kind of hitting that 
that buffer zone. So um, I think that kind of covers the the broad outlines of it, and we're going to get into a lot more of the details. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess a good place to start is you know I think you know a lot of people already know who you guys are, but uh, just for those who don't, we've never we've done some introductions in the governance and uh, BIP process to set this up, but. I, th I don't think we've had like a formal proper introduction from you guys to the DAO um, on who you are, your background as artists, how you started working together and, and, and what your practice is. So uh, I'll let you guys uh, take it away. Sounds good. Um, I can just, I can start here. First of all, thank you for the intro, Simon. And um, for, um, I can speak for both of us that we're super, super excited for this collaboration and it's been already a lot of fun and really interesting to uh you know feel build a, what feels like even closer relationship to Botto and the whole process and um yeah it's been it's it's really exciting but so essentially the Alice and I we um we've been working together to create video and photo projects for almost the last uh, decade at this point now. Um, my background is as a, a documentary photographer for, for many years, and Alice had more experience with, with uh, coding. And then we, we started to, to work together on projects where initially it was Alice was taking a lot of the post-production, but then it sort of moved into us both shooting and both working on these various assignments, whether it's commercial or editorial uh, or art projects over the years. And then in 2020, we started to really learn about the NFT and, you know, like tokenized artwork space. And it was just so fascinating and applicable to being digitally native artists, um, especially like the, the whole notion of, of authorship and um, being able to have like the, the, the idea of digital ownership uh, was really like a, a light bulb moment and super exciting. So long story short, we minted the first piece uh, of, of certain lens-based uh, multimedia work on Super Rare in the beginning of 2021. And since then, it's just been, uh, you know, full-time uh, enthusiastic obsession with everything to do with NFTs and particularly the art side of things. Um, and it was actually DeFi Ben who first tipped us off to, to Botto, I think probably around 2021, where he said, oh, heads up, uh, super rare artists from the, the period that you guys are in um, will have, will, or can claim a Botto token airdrop. So that was the first time that uh, we started to learn about, about Botto and uh, got into the voting pool a little bit and sort of learned about the whole mechanism and thought it was a super interesting and compelling concept. And um, yeah, so I get the final sort of key point is that the project that we've been working on is called The Wild Within, whereby we actually travel to a particular country or city that has a, an interesting social, political or, um, you know, unique historical 
aspects that we find interesting and then photograph these abandoned architectural interiors um, and then take that 2D photograph and put it into 3D software to implement animated foliage and light and structure and you know a bunch of different techniques which ultimately results in a moving visual um, piece which I sort of categorize as as the genre of lens-based art in the sense that the process of creating it involves a lens um, but it's not just you know straight photography uh, nor is it it's total 3d so it's sort of a hybrid between the real and the the fictional the facts and fantasy and um, playing with a lot of these kind of uh, paradoxes and and um, uh, sort of opposite concepts, you know, with seeing as that the building is like a, a human constructed uh, form, but then it's being overtaken by nature. However, the nature is actually digitally implemented. So it's this kind of like, you know, paradoxical relationship between time and place and uh, nature and man-made and uh, yeah, that's, those are, those are the kind of concepts that I think that we're most drawn to. Yeah. And I think also that our concept is also very based upon like reviving these abandoned spaces, like bringing life back into them. And that's why I thought this collaboration with Bodo was so fun and interesting because it's a bit like reviving these old fragments of Bodo. Totally. It's a, yeah, it's a great point. And like the other thing with these interiors is that they, these buildings are deteriorating or being taken apart by local people who use the, you know, scrap the materials or what have you, or they're being targeted by arson. Um, and essentially they're disappearing. So the, the actual structures themselves are, are sort of scarce and rare and uh, disappearing. And that's another like uh, determining factor, which, which directs us to like certain places and certain to, and to shoot certain buildings. Um, yeah. And as Alice just said, that the, there's sort of a parallel relationship between the, these sort of forgotten bottle fragments um, that are being revived and, and uh, implemented into an, another subject matter, which has, a, has had a kind of similar trajectory and history. Yeah, that's so I have I actually have a few questions about the Wild Within stuff and the series and and, and that work. Um, what so what just for background, what countries have you guys visited? Well, so the project um, initially started because of a, a deep fascination and connection that uh, we've built over the last few years with the country, Georgia. And in particular, this one town called Skaltubo, which um, the reason it's so interesting is because it has a really, it was a really popular um, health and sanatorium destination during the Soviet Union. But it has 22 very distinct and different um, sanatorium structures built in different architectural styles that upon collapse of the USSR uh, were comp- abandoned immediately. So it's it's very much frozen in time and that there's still rooms with like, you know, artifacts and that kind of uh, stuff from from its heyday. 
but it's very uncanny because they were all built in the 20th century. So you have, which is not that old. So you have these, these, these buildings, some of them in like a classical, uh, classical Roman style that are from the 20th century and are totally abandoned and overgrown and whatnot. But um, it's a, it's a really kind of like a surreal sense of time because it's not that old, but it feels really old. It feels deserted but there's still people that sometimes come through and like scrap the material. So in anyways, Georgia is the, one of the sort of standout locations, but um, other work from the series has uh, involved buildings in Beirut and Lebanon, which has its own, you know, really unique and um, distinct history as well as Italy. And um, uh, just recently in Poland, this piece is actually from a old, uh, palace or sort of villa, they call them a palace in the south of Poland, um, as well as Armenia. I spent quite a bit of time in Armenia. So the former the former USSR has uh, a lot of interesting places because of the the history and the the transition that the built environment r- reflects. It reflects the the social uh, transformations that have occurred in the country. Um, but then also, you know, in the Middle East and even Western European countries like Italy have a, have a lot of interesting things like that as well that are fun to, and very interesting to explore. That's, um, so, so just when you said that this piece is from the South of Poland, you're referring to this, the seven frame one that we're, that we're going to be filling out with the bottle pieces, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Well, just a, a general question, but perhaps also specifically about this one is like, I'm really curious about, you know, the, you're as as the artist, right? You see all these rooms, you see all these buildings. I'm sure you start to get an eye for really particular details that aren't immediately obvious. But I mean, if they were missing, it wouldn't also be or feel the same. Curious, kind of what those details are that might not be, um, yeah, that might not be obvious to the trained eye, and and have kind of emerged for you guys over time. Um, and then also specifically for this room, I imagine that there's details, as you said, they kind of reflect the the social transformation of the country. But I also wonder, you know, those social transformations probably are different country to country. And so uh, I'm curious, kind of that is a general question, but then also um, specifically for this one in the south of Poland. Um, what are some details that uh, are in there that we might not be totally aware of? Yeah, um, Alice, feel free to jump in at any point. But the, I think to me, uh, well, I mean, for both of us, is when you start to see lots of of different places, even though the the real gems are few and far between, it becomes quite clear what are, you know, really like striking and unique um uh, in- interiors that be also mixed with your understanding of like the technical potential and um, the, the sort of like vision of the final product, you can decide whether it's going to be like a great space or not. A lot of it comes down to also just like the, the way the light enters the room and the the perspective that you can get with the lens and like, not to mention there's a, a whole kind of, you know, adventure and access based c- component to it as well, where 
you sometimes have to find like the one person in the town that has the key to that old building and no one speaks the the same language. And it's, uh, it's always like a, a whole, a whole sort of process of, uh, adventure to, to actually get into the buildings. But, um, this, yeah. So, and the other thing is, is that like, even though we, we like to base the, the, these pieces are real places that require you to really go there and actually photograph it at the same time. What's so fun about the, the artistic component of it is that you can then like remove, remove the piece from that context and recontextualize it, like reappropriate the architecture into creating something totally new, which is not actually based on, on like a documentary fact so um in that sense like the the locations are are very like uh integral to the actual architecture and the style but at the same time the pieces are not like um you know documentary uh esque depictions of the actual place um and you get a lot of like little indicators of of cultural identity and um sort of like motifs and whatnot that certain that certain cultures and eras have uh really embraced like for instance in this picture i can i can drop um some from from the like the piece we're using with this the bottle collaboration i can put a couple of images in this chat here which are kind of interesting um that I found, like, first of all, there's not always a lot of information about these places. And sometimes the information you get is, is a bit like hearsay, whether it's people from the actual locals, like the villagers who tend to actually know the most of, and the most factual stuff. But um, you kind of have to like reconstruct this history of these places. And sometimes you find like um, uh uh archival images like the ones i just posted in this room or in this chat here where you can see the room from some different angles sorry could you put those in the uh curation channel for the curation koopman's channel i think those are these are just these are incredible references of what it looked like in its heyday uh sorry you you i i didn't didn't want to interrupt you were saying uh, what were you saying about it no i was just saying it's interesting too because you can like you can see um, when you were saying, what are the other are sort of little indicators of the different country or the different social uh, conditions of the time with a building like this and with most of these buildings, they've actually they've gone through multiple owners, you know, through various um, political le- leadership and whatnot. So the buildings themselves have changed a lot. And you can see some things that like have been the same in the interiors over the years and other things that have drastically, uh, drastically changed. And at some point in most of the histories, they've suffered some kind of fire or, you know, like uh, extreme event, which has reshaped the, the structure in a lot of ways. Um, and you can see in the in the piece that we're still very much like work in progress of, of the of the the interior for the bottle collaboration. We're still, you know, doing a lot to that, but you can see there's sort of like this concrete um, ceiling uh, that's there. And that was something that apparently was modified in like the 1960s when they cut the ballroom ceiling 
basically by 50% and did some restructuring to keep the, the, the thing from actually falling down, which it was then at that point just totally abandoned. So, you know, there's a little markings of, um, of, of what's actually occurred that you can see in the actual building that we like tend to embrace when working with the pictures. So I think this is this is maybe a good time to transition to what you guys are seeing and how the um, <clears throat> how how the curation's go, starting to go and uh, just a couple comments as we kind of go into that, which is um, one I think it's an interesting transition because in the pictures you you mentioned to me before the call that uh, there were some famous paintings in there um, or at least paintings by famous artists in in those halls um and what which, which ones were they again um uh, so apparently they there are um that that main room which has all the different frames had different uh of artworks in a private collection at the time including canvases from peter paul rubens uh as well as a portrait that was attributed to rembrandt and uh, a piece called uh, Country Concert by Dirk Halls and Concerto by Jan Sanders van Hemessen. Um, as well as like a lot of, uh, in, there was a lot of really significant sculptures that were in the garden and then were looted over the years and, and taken out and whatnot. But it was kind of interesting that, you know, uh, reportedly there is some like very significant artwork that was, um in this building in particular at one time which is often the case you know when you are dealing with these like former sort of palatial or or um merchant owned buildings they often have these kind of cabinets of curiosities and and various like cultural artifacts that are long gone but um you know add to that kind of like intrigue of place yeah so I, I think just a couple kind of themes to sum up, which is, you know, just again, broadly, you guys are working with this idea of cycle and decay and the discards from Bado really are, I mean, there's a huge amount of cycle and decay in Bado's process. I think, you know, we've had less than 100 mints out of over 400,000 images generated. Um, and what I love is this room that you're setting up has also its own history of that cycle and decay specifically in the art and famous works that have come through and, you know, who knows where they are. Maybe they've been destroyed since, or uh, maybe they've moved on to institutions. Um, and in general too, I think it's really interesting how you spoke about how you kind of take these rooms out of their context. I mean, they have their context, but also you take them out and you're really looking for kind of this end concept you guys are going for. And, and I mean, I know when I first, when I first saw, so just how I first came across your work was, um, I mean, it was the Jim Carrey purchase. So it was, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, their, uh, one of their Wild Within images was Jim Carrey's first NFT purchase, which was, you know, just a big news event, kind of a, a huge moment for, for kind of more mainstream adoption. Um, and uh, I think really helped put them on the map and certainly, you know, got me checking out the work. And I was really blown away because my first experience was I didn't realize it was, you know, there's a 3D adaptation. I just thought you guys had found these rooms naturally overgrown like that. Um, but then, you know, you start to see it kind of has this almost ghostly movement. Um, and and all that to say of, of how 
much you guys work to, um, and this is my interpretation, feel free to disagree or push back, or, or um, but my, my perspective, which is that you, you do a lot to just, it, it feels very natural the way you set these rooms up. So, you know, it, it's not totally documentarian, but it is kind of truth in a very organic way um, and feels very natural, but while at the same time being this intersection of, of digital and, and photography. And, um, and, and I, I bring that up because I think um, those are all really, really interesting things to keep in mind when we're curating the works for, um, for Botto, voting on Botto's inputs for this collaboration. Um, and <clears throat> would love to, uh, yeah, hear about how, I mean, there's kind of a few things, which is like the, the pieces you're seeing that you're really liking, the aesthetics that seem to be coming out, but then also how you're thinking about that integration process. You guys have talked about, you guys are going to have, you know, you know, this very wide creative freedom. <clears throat> and you've talked a little bit about um, how, you know, you'll be altering the images and really, I mean, Examples which so far don't have talk about the integration you're seeing and where you've seen some of the pieces pe people are bringing up in curation that you think really fit well with um, with how you see it coming together. Yeah, um, I as you're saying, I think we definitely try to keep the in, in at least in our existing work to try to have the the natural elements look very natural because also like part of the concept emerged from the fact that there are, these rooms are in many cases overgrown and slowly, you know, uh, being overgrown, but we really wanted to like uh, emphasize and exaggerate that concept. Hence the implementation of the actual, um, you know, animated foliage as well. So to really like push that or emphasize that, that idea. And Alice, I guess uh, maybe you want to speak to the the kind of pieces that we have been most drawn to. But um, yeah, our initial idea was were ones that do still have that kind of harmonious, um, uh, you know, merging with with the architecture and the the plant environment in a way that is not like you know an extreme aesthetic clash. But uh, yeah, what do you what do you think, Alice? Is there certain styles and works that that we've been most drawn to? Uh, yeah. So when we have been speaking about it, I think that we were drawn to pieces that would like look quite natural in the room, like not like too like modern and not too like colorful, maybe, but would like actually look that they could have been like. Um, images or paintings that could have been in that room in the history and um, I think also like some as you said um, Simon like the naturalness of it like to maybe have some kind of like flowers or some natural landscape could be cool to like integrate that like natural aspect of the uh, 3D environment that we're putting in these pieces as well. Yeah, and it can be. Um, I think like the the not in not every single piece does a subject matter need to be of like the era or the time. Like it can be kind of interesting if it's uh, a sort of um, uh, uh, like a contrasting subject matter, but it's still mm -hmm. in a very like artistic or like painterly kind of style that um, then aesthetically really fits in. But then as far as like the sort of uh, 
artistic liberty or to the ability to really implement the pieces i think through certain like cropping and you know because obviously the different bottle fragments don't necessarily perfectly fit the exact frame or vice versa so there's going to have to be a bit of um a like positioning of specific pieces in certain places to create the most balanced and um yet like striking final composition so there's mm-hmm. yeah a bit of like creative flexibility that we need to um dig into there when we eventually you know get the final the final voted pieces yeah and i think also like something we talked about could have been to like potentially put some kind of like aging filters on some of the border fragments to make it look like they uh, fit in the room yeah for sure like a, a texturize in a way that is um authentic to the to the like wall or maybe like how it would deteriorate and really i think the trick is there's that like harmonious fusion between the two so it doesn't have that kind of like copy paste jpeg vibe look or or vibe yeah no i i mean it's funny because on the one hand you know i'm hearing uh you know certainly kind of more muted versus these really saturated tones uh things that are kind of obviously digital artworks versus the ones that have that feel of of being a painting but at the same time you guys seem to have the abilities where um you you could you could work with just about anything and i i i mean listen i'm just one voice i i and i i I think I'm going to, I think I almost want to see something that feels a little bit off to see what you guys do with it and how you integrate it. Um, Although, you know, you know, more seriously, I think it's a really interesting question of what are pieces that we can curate that really feel that really kind of have that iconic Botto feel. Now, a lot of them, I think, are things that look painted, but still have that bit of uncanny valley to them. Um, but I, I think there's some that where it's obvious, but once you're told about it versus some that are on their face, have that, uh, or just have that kind of Botto touch. Um, of course, everything has the Botto touch. That's the beauty of Botto. But, um, I think I, I'm very kind of curious about how we can, how we can, um, strike that balance. And, and I, I don't know, I'm always interested in kind of throwing, throwing curve balls, but that's just me. So don't, I don't necessarily speak for the Dow there. That's just me. I'm one voice. Um, but I'd be very, I'd, I'm definitely curious, like, you know, th- I, I think you guys are pretty comfortable with a diversity of images, right? They don't all need to have the same exact vibe. Um, so it could really show kind of a range of eras, a range of styles, but leaning towards the more muted tones. I'm curious um, what you guys, from your perspective, and this is kind of like a more broad question, you know, you've you've been around Botto for a while uh, and... Um, and you've seen Bottle's work, and then obviously you've been in the images pretty deeply more recently. Um, wh- what are some things that you think are are very typical or or kind of Botto, kind of iconic for Botto that that have that unique Botto touch? And this is, I mean, this is t- super subjective, so you know, don't worry about uh, it. It's it, there's no right or wrong answer here. I'm just I'm curious what you guys see. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's, there's obviously been the transition in the, um, the, the way that they've been generated, right? So I guess, uh, I, I forget what's the, the acronym of the, uh, the earlier method that definitely uh, had like... Plus clip. Yeah. So there's yeah. definitely a sort of consistent look between those works. 
where you, I think you could really distinctly say, okay, that looks quite Botto, uh, you know, Botto-esque, where it's sort of this surreal, like, uh, fusing of, of different shapes and, and faces and, of course, like the square uh, like ratio. Um, but then, of course, like what's uh, inherent to the Botto, what feels inherent to, like, the, the concept of Botto also is, is the very much like embracing the contemporary and the, you know, the technology and the pushing the being on the forefront of it. So transitioning to the stable diffusion um, model is also very, you know, quote unquote, Botto by, by just default of having done that. Um, so I think, I guess like another, another thing is the fact that it feels quite the work, the outputs, the fragments feel quite referential to art history as opposed to, you know, like consumer imagery or, or um, like everyday mainstream uh, visuals. It feels like it's tied to, to art history and the different artistic movements quite directly. Those are things that sort of stand out to me. Like you can pick up different, like, you know, like clearly this is like impressionist influenced or, you know, like uh, mid-century modern or much more classical, or uh, you can see different like movements through art history that emerge in different fragments. Alice, did you did you have some thoughts too? Um, no, I was just thinking that I think it's a bit as you say, like it's um, will be a mix of different images, but I think that's the fun part about collaborating as well. That like. Sometimes it's like you have a vision as an artist and then if you're working with another artist, we have done collaboration with other artists before. And it's, it's fun when it becomes this like back and forth and that you uh, don't, can't be set in your ways and then like adopt and uh, uh, collaborate together. And that's why I think like it's fun to have Boro as a collaboration partner because it's so many wheels and uh, I think it will be fun, you know. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, kind of, as you said, with, you know, VQ GAN being super distinctive and then um, and then stable diffusion being, you know, part of the thing is, is it is it is meant to sort of pass as, uh, you know, human made work. And um, I think to to me, what it leaves is like, you know, the the ones that differentiate are the ones where I mean, first, we're working in this like very cool pool of the top 1000. So there's lots of recognizable things that have probably been in the top 15 and the leaderboards um, who have maybe even become very, very close to winning and becoming a mint. Um, and so I think one that's sort of, to me, that's like the distinctness of Bado or the ones that were, the distinctness was formed in that voting and in that governance process, the ones that kind of stick in, in the community's memory because they were, they had that kind of traction, um, not necessarily for any specific reason, because sometimes that can be super chaotic. It's hard to predict what exactly, what predict particular feature is more just sort of this collective admiration. Um, at the same time, uh, what Alice just said of like this current back and forth, right? So there's there's things that have the the weight of kind of community consensus and community admiration and community meeting or collective meeting or previous rounds. But then it'll be interesting to see which ones come out of this round as well. You know, I think I think those ones maybe have an advantage, but there will there will be the the this is its own process of the collective meaning making that kind of identifies those iconic pieces and 
you know, through that process, it's not because something is inherently iconic, but it is made iconic um, through that process. So, um, yeah. Totally. And it's nice with, with this pool that there is a, a, quite a mixture, like through the, the bottle eras. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting to see the, the, that, that, uh, variety. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, something I just want to pull out of this is, is, you know, you guys have been, there's been lobbying for specific pieces. It's still, you know, a thousand piece voting pool. And, and so just to kind of summarize for people, because we have this kind of collective intelligence to go into the voting pool and surface these things. Um, you know, there's looking for things that maybe have a little bit more of a painted look, uh, a muted versus saturated look, um, less kind of computer generated. Um, things that are that feel iconic, bo iconically Bado from previous rounds, um, but then also the ones that you guys are finding fit with this particular room. So there might be some new iconic pieces that come out of it. And I think you said something really interesting just there, which was diversity, right? They don't need to all be the same um, aesthetic. In fact, probably even better if we see, get to see really a range uh, of uh, of Bado's styles. I, I Just to kind of tie that back to your what you guys do with the rooms in terms of taking them out of that particular context and in this case kind of a particular era or time but you know that room representing kind of across time or at least the eras that Bado touches on so um for sure and i think just for like uh you know for aesthetic uh cohesiveness when mm -hmm. when we talk about it being more muted as opposed to saturated colors that doesn't mean that it does like a, it shouldn't be colorful, right? It could still be very colorful. It's more just the imagine the distinction between the like uh, totally digitally generated fluorescent bright tones versus, as you were saying, the more painterly uh, use of the color. So, just like it's it's hard to try to try to put terms on it, but um, yeah, like a that's monster energy can versus a painted canvas <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> okay. exactly i think that those that way it'll make for like a the the, the strongest piece um mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i i think there's i mean I, I can't pull them to my mind right now by name but i i've seen pieces that look painted but also have a very kind of mod even techno technical look to them um that kind of like it's almost like there's a there's a, it was a technical look and then there was a filter applied to make it more muted um but yeah so i we, we've we've kind of summarized that i really want folks to like you know keep bringing things up in the in the curation and koopman what, what is it curation koopman's collab <laughs> is that channel um but uh you know we have time so i wanted to also take some questions i saw chris had uh had one i would love to kind of hear what people are seeing that they like or more questions for ryan um i will invite you up chris okay you're invited all right hey uh, yeah nice conversation uh, i've been busy lately so not tracking the discord very closely so it's nice to kind of just be able to get the summary uh straight from from you guys uh so i have sort of like two questions um I was also a little intrigued by sort of like the the, the direction of the type of 
fragments uh, that you were looking for. Um, maybe it's three questions. Um, so I was wondering, like, if that style is it more is is that interest more related to your aesthetic that it will fit with uh, your type of work, or is it an influence just from a bottle? Because uh, I think everyone that comes in, at least I had this uh, this sort of like uh, influence, you know. I think the name Botto itself kind of like throws you back to like some classic, uh, you know, period and classic art. I wonder if that, like, where do you think that influence is coming? Um, the second question is uh, when you're collaborating with a, a normal artist, there's usually one person or one entity that you're dealing with and you can kind of like just give your, you can just kind of chat and, and come to some conclusion. But here you're having to kind of like work with a, a collective. So I'm curious to kind of get yours, your take on like how has it been working with the, you know, the community, trying to kind of steer it towards what you, what you want. Um, and then the final question is, you know, I think the long-term goal of, of Boto is to like eventually for it to be like fully autonomous. So maybe, you know, what is your feelings of one day working directly with Boto, maybe not community, just like an actual autonomous artist that's not human. Um, so yeah, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Super, yeah, super interesting questions. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I can just start with, with uh, my opinion. The I think like for the selection process, that yeah very much the the pieces that we're drawn to do have a sort of relationship to the like aesthetic and and style that we're um most connected with like in terms of how our other work is and how basically how we think of visuals and storytelling in general um but also i think the selection process is is influenced a bit by the idea that we like to make the the scene look as if it could be real to a certain extent and create that kind of um, surreal, uncanny uh, atmosphere where the viewer is, isn't totally sure what is real and what is not real. Hence why we're to keep talking about trying to really implement the pieces into the environment. So there's that kind of, mixture of thinking like oh is that uh, an original painting it looks like it could be an original painting but why is the subject some from some completely different era and and creating those kind of contrasts and and little like uh, nuances um with it based in the sort of fundamental approach that the the space looks like it could be quite real so yeah the answer to the first question is the the aesthetic and that that concept definitely inform the selection process. Um, and then as far as collaborating with a, a collective uh, as opposed to an individual, I think that, you know, artists have a, have a whole uh, DAO's worth of opinions and feelings in and of themselves anyways. So to me, at least, it's like surprisingly, perhaps it, it's, it's felt quite similar. Um, and in some ways, because maybe because of the of the the sort of decisive communication that will um, ultimately result because of the the way that the voting system goes, 
Um, potentially it's even more simple than if you're dealing with a, another collaborating with another, you know, creative where you have the whole sort of array of different thoughts and emotions and, and feelings constantly coming to you. So yeah, it's actually felt quite similar thus far and, and, you know, very positive, of course, in that yeah. sense. That's really interesting to think about uh, an individual artist as a collective uh, <laughs> of opinions, perhaps less decisive than our DAO. Yeah, and and some artists will have very very strong opinions and very like uh, you know just like committed and and set in those. But um, there's still like quite a bit of trial and error and that kind of thing that it can change a plan we can we can decide on one thing and then we actually want to switch to something else but then go back to the other thing so there's there's a quite a bit of that like volatility in the in the collaborative creation process i think uh for yeah and as far as like be bottle becoming fully autonomous um uh maybe alice has some cool ideas how that would manifest but i I would see it as basically that you're something is set up that the collaboration, the the other like the third party or the the you know outsider artist who's collaborating with Botto would communicate through some kind of AI uh, conversation purely that that doesn't I guess involve direct human correspondence. I guess that would probably be the the closest direction to it being fully autonomous but i'm not really sure i haven't i haven't actually uh thought how that would really manifest if it was collaborating with a completely autonomous artist what about you what do you what do you think how do you foresee that um myself no i mean I mean, it's all abstract, right? But I, I imagine the way things are going, it will be something more natural language that way. But I'm also, I mean, I'm also curious, that, you know, will, would it be a more opinionated, you know, art generator uh, that you have in a conversation? I don't know. Alice, have you thought a little bit about how this might manifest? Yeah, I haven't thought so much about it, but it would be fun actually like to uh, also communicate with a pure AI and do like some kind of collaborative process. But it's also interesting to think like how could that like uh, like written AI like manifest like potentially like that if it's like should take on a role as an artist, maybe it learns from like uh, scouting the internet that artists can be complicated and mm -hmm. it can be like really tricky to communicate with but who knows yeah yeah no yeah interesting i mean uh ryan you're making some parallels between collaborating you know with the human artist and the community um maybe you can describe how you collaborate with the with a normal artist what What's that process and, and what do you think might translate to to automation? Yeah, I think like one of the the most important parts of the whole process is just the initial like agreement or and decision to collaborate because it's based on so many fundamental 
uh, things and like appreciations in the other the other creators' work. So you go into it with like um, the sort of expectation that you're going to sacrifice mm-hmm. a lot of your sort of creative, you know, uh, needs, I guess, in a way, or mm-hmm. you, you're going to be flexible with it. So you don't go into it if you're not like already a big fan of the mm-hmm. of the artist and all the things that can come from it. And obviously that's the case with Bottos. It's mm-hmm. you, you, the, the potential and the, and the interest is so huge there uh, from uh, from our side that it's, it's, you know, it makes total sense. Yeah, I think that like me and Ryan collaborate like every day, but we usually 